Hello, frazzled women. Welcome to Le Vital Core Salon. If you're a type A, an imposter, an activity addict, or a recovering perfectionist who secretly craves a hug or a high five on your path to success, you're in the exact right place in time and space. I'm your host and salonier, Kara Martin-Snyder. Heads up, this podcast features adult women having adult and sometimes potty mouth conversation. If you have little ones or folks who won't pardon this kind of French around, please plug in your headphones now. Each episode, my job is to introduce you to a modern woman who is out there doing their thing and leaving their unique stain on the world without letting bullshit or burnout slow them down. Today, I want to introduce you all to Amber Ladley. Amber is a creative entrepreneur who has spent over 15 years building websites and also has had a lifelong passion for crafting. She is currently self-employed and enjoys sharing her technical expertise with small businesses who wish to enhance their online presence. In addition, in all of her free time, joking, she offers creativity and upcycling workshops through her latest venture, Happily Upcycled. Her innovative approach to tapping into creativity provides attendees with a healthy dose of digital detox, plus inspires them to see potential in unexpected materials that we might typically view as waste or trash. In 2014, Amber was named Top Woman in Web and Graphic Design by Western Mass Women's Magazine. And in 2012, she co-founded Knack, The Art of Clever Reuse, a business she later sold and was featured in Preview Magazine, Business West, The Hampshire Gazette, and The Republican. Amber, welcome to Le Vital Core Salon. Thanks for having me, Kara. I'm psyched you're here. I have so many questions for you, and I've actually experienced what you do. So hopefully I don't drown you in questions while we talk today. (laughs) No problem. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, I know these days you're splitting time as a web designer and at the same time building happily upcycled. Because I've personally felt the impact of using your idea of upcycled vintage magazines as envelopes for my 33k task list project. Can we talk a little bit about Happily Upcycled? Sure. When did you realize upcycling and creative reuse were such a nourishing or or driving force for you? Well, I've I've really always loved crafting. My mom was quite a crafter and I've always hated waste. Um, Littering has always been a pet peeve of mine. And upcycling, I find, is it's really fun to um, craft with materials that other people see no value in and and turn them into something useful or functional or beautiful um, and and give them new life rather than tossing them to the landfill. Got it. Yeah, as as children of the 70s, 80s, like you and I, like, I don't know if you remember this, but I really remember people littering. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was a thing, right? Absolutely. I, You know, I think it still is. I, you know, you see people, I, it drives me nuts when I'm driving down the street and I see somebody toss trash out the window. I, it, it's, it drives me nuts. <laughs> so, um, so you were this little girl who was anti-littering, plus had a mom who crafted. What did that look like as you were growing up? Yeah, we did. We did lots of different crafts. Uh, My mom did a lot of macrame um, and papier mache. 
Um, she used to get all the neighborhood, you know, this time of year, especially in the fall, she'd get all the neighborhood kids over our house after school and we would build paper mache masks. And then the entire neighborhood would get together for, um, a Halloween gathering and we would, uh, parade down the street with everybody in their, in their masks and, um, and everybody, each family had uh, ride-on lawnmowers <laughs> and would create floats out of, um, you know, different themed floats. And each family would parade down our cul-de-sac street <laughs> and, and celebrate <laughs> Halloween and our paper mache masks. And, you know, one year we were the munchkins from The Wizard of Oz. And another year we were uh, astronauts. So we had, you know, made the helmets and <laughs> wore painter suits. So we were always being really crafty and, and thrifty at the same time. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That is so amazing. <laughs> the things you learn about people when you start asking weird questions, right? <laughs> Definitely. So, first off, I'm going to be doing show notes related to this project. Please tell me you have a photo of one of these parades. Oh, I, my mom will. Yes. Cue <laughs> <laughs> mom. We have to add this to the list. Definitely. <laughs> So how did how did that change as you grew older? Hmm. Well, I'm not. I the the crafting has certainly always been there. I've also always loved the computer and have been fascinated by technology. Um, I had um, I've used a computer since I was six, so I've been using a computer for over thirty years. And I had computer classes in school, which was a little bit different for somebody who um, was growing up in the eighties. And I just really um, appreciated and enjoyed learning how to interact with this with this new technology. <clears throat> and so, when I went to school uh, for college. I did uh, an arts program at UMass Dartmouth, and um, so I did a variety of arts classes and computer classes and photography classes. So I guess it's just kind of, it's just continued to grow over the years. Those have certainly been two of my greatest passions, um, computer and crafting. And when I went to school, I knew for certain that I wanted to be creating websites because I thought it was just such a cool thing. Um, and it's been really interesting uh, to watch that evolve over the past 15 years. Um, websites were something that were just kind of, they, you know, not everyone had them. It was kind of a luxurious thing to have. And they were very, very simple. And now they're so complex. And, and really, to survive as a business, you, you need an online presence. Um, and so it's become such a valuable tool. And so I've really enjoyed watching that that process and the change over time of, of that. Very cool. Very cool. So let me get this straight. You were studying art and taking all of these art classes mm -hmm. and really kind of in full creative throttle. And then you said, I'm really into computers. I'm really into web design. How did that come about exactly? It seems like a leap from the outside looking in, right? Oh, yeah. So, well, actually, so I did have full intention. Um, I went to school for web development, but the program at the time um, was called Electronic. Uh, it was, a, what was it called? Um, it was a visual design program. So I studied electronic imaging 
which means nothing today. <laughs> I was going to say, what is that actually? What is electronic imaging? So the courses that I had were graphic design, animation. I actually only had one semester of uh, website creation, um, and it was using a tool. Um, so I should I should touch back on on the rest of my web journey, um, please. And and then um, so I did like two D animation, three D animation. And then the other classes that I took were photography. So I did both digital and um, black and white standard photography in the darkroom, which I had done in high school and in college and something I really enjoyed, pinhole photography. And then I had art classes that were like figure drawing. Um, What else did I take? Wire sculpture, ceramics. So I just had a wide range. Um, but the computer piece, I, I didn't actually go to school for computer programming. The computer piece was actually part of the arts program. Wow, that seems like thinking back to like when that was in time, it seems really progressive. Yeah, I guess I guess so. And it certainly, you know, because it touched on such a wide range of, of things, it, it wasn't actually computer programming in any sense. I mean, even the web design class that we had was using a program called Dreamweaver, which is kind of like a a drag and drop interface um, that writes the code for you. Ah, got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the rest of actually my, my website programming skills have all been self-taught. I, um, I really enjoy learning new things. And um, I picked up a book uh, HTML4 and one of my summers home from college and taught myself how to build a website. And I built my dad's business, um, a website that summer. And it's just kind of progressed from there. I, the, the internet is such an amazing place that, you know, today we can learn anything that we can possibly think <laughs> we might want more information about. Um, and so I have learned everything I know Um about building websites from reading and teaching and learning online and trying things. And, and um, that's been my approach and, and how I've learned so much about computer programming. So keeping up with technology, and especially around web design and anything internet related, probably requires a lot of self-education for you. And that takes energy and that takes sort of focus. How do you keep, how do you keep up with things? Yeah, I guess I would, you know, I I just, I really love to learn. And I think also I really feel that communication is such an important skill to have and being able to um, communicate, you know, to put something online that can speak to another human <laughs> in another place on a, you know, interacting with another computer is really fascinating to me. So, um, so I really enjoy the aspect of, of how it allows us to, to communicate with one another through a computer. And then I, I don't know, it's like the geek in me, I guess. I mean, I love reading how-to books and technical manuals. And I don't think I've ever bought a product and not actually read through the manual. <laughs> so I think maybe that'll help explain that. Kindred souls here. Kindred souls. <laughs> I will read almost anything, including the shampoo bottle in my shower, yes. like a hundred times over. So just in case I forgot how to use it. Right. 
Um, you might have extra tips you don't know about. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Dr. Bronner is a wealth of information. <laughs> so here's a question because there's a lot of listeners out there that are frazzled that might self-identify as type A or self-identify as activity addicts. Mm-hmm. How do you help streamline how much information you're trying to take in? Because it's a balance, right, between continued education and, like, needing to know everything and get to the end of the internet. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I've um, thought about that too much. I I guess I approach it on a need-to-know basis. The the internet, as far as I know, isn't going anywhere. (laughs) Let's hope not. (laughs) Yeah. And so... You know, my my knowledge has really kind of built up over time and it's been on need to know. And, and as you mentioned before, it's changing rapidly. And so um, I kind of use what I need at the time and and take my previous knowledge or experience and, and apply it um, for the time being. Um, I would say in terms of like trying to divulge too much information at once, I, I don't think my schedule really allows me to do that. <laughs> Got it. So it's a it's a function of you have this much time and this need to learn. Exactly. So for for people listening that may have a website or be thinking about doing something with their website, whether it's starting it or updating it, are mm-hmm. there any like even really beginner resources you can think of or places that you typically start with to sort of source information and begin learning? Yeah, I would say, you know, leave the technical piece aside for the moment and really just think simply about who your audience is, is, who you're trying to communicate with, and what the goal you want to accomplish. So it takes a lot of work to get um, somebody to visit your website. There are millions of websites out there. And so once somebody arrives at your website, think about what is the information that you want to share with them? And then what is the action that you want them to take? And truthfully, when you're starting out, it's best to really start simple um, with your website. And and I always like to say, and I know a lot of my DIY clients have heard me repeatedly, a website is always a work in progress. It's not like you're going to get a thousand brochures printed and find a typo or change your services. You can always easily update it. So just kind of starting simple, allowing it to build and grow along with your business and thinking about who you're serving and and, and how um, they can bring business to you is really just the most important things. So what I'm hearing in, in that answer is starting from a place of intention. Mm-hmm. Like really being clear on like, what do you want this to do? Is it a mm-hmm. sales page? Is it a a doormat for new people to sort of wipe their feet on and come make themselves cozy in your digital mm-hmm. home? You know, thinking about that purpose. And then what I'm also hearing is not make it so do or die. Right. And I mean, I know from mentoring other health coaches over the years, like there is some real anxiety that gets built up over I have to get it right Mm -hmm. and that it is a living breathing sort of organism online right Mm -hmm. absolutely cool cool that's great advice thank you you're welcome and so you know you mentioned with all of 
you know, you're you're continuing to do self-education, but sometimes that's sort of, it's compacted a little bit by what you have going on in the rest of your life. And I, I think it's probably important to note you're also a working mom of two and a wife. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you juggle that? You know, do you, do you have any favorite non-negotiable acts of self-care? What helps you decompress or recharge? I'll let you kind of just freestyle here. Yeah. <laughs> I would say sleep is my number one. Um, and I always do get a good amount of sleep. Of course, my kids are older now. They are 11 and 13. So I know that that doesn't apply when you have young children. <laughs> <laughs> you've been there. You've done that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and meditation. Um, I started meditating in April and re- like regularly. I've I've definitely had different times in my life where I've tried meditation. Um, and this time I really, I stuck to it. And I have noticed that even just 10 minutes a day or just taking five minutes out, you know, before a meeting or something just is such a small amount of time, but it makes such a huge difference um, to just kind of take that time to sit silently and, you know, if my head goes wild, it goes wild, but eventually I, I come back and, and I just really feel recharged after that. So Amber, you know, I think people hear the word meditation sometimes, and I know from talking with some of my clients and especially type A women that it is like the word meditation is not even part of their vocabulary. It's something weird and scary and foreign, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, thinking about that you know, and that you sort of dabbled with it over the years, but really have kind of reconnected to it. And it's really becoming a process for you and part of your daily routine. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what that practice looks like for you? Sure. Um, well, I'll tell you that an app has helped me. Um, I, I use the Calm app and I'm, I'm sure you can relate, but I love the statistics of it. So I have seen that <laughs> Since April, even though I haven't done it every day, but I've had some good streaks and um, I've been meditating for over 20 hours since April. So I thought that that was really fun. And it shows that I've, you know, how many sessions I've done. Um, But it does, I just, it plays a little bit of music. I sit silently. Um, I don't, I prefer to not use the guided meditations. Um, And One of their early tutorials that I thought was really great that even though I've practiced meditation in the past or had training, um, different trainings, nobody ever said this one thing that I thought was really helpful. And that was that, you know, I, I used to think meditation as you have to shut everything off. Like you can't have any noise and your head should be quiet. And, and it's like this really hard thing to, to get to this state of, of quiet and peace and which is great if you've been practicing meditation for a very long time and you can sit for a long time. Um, and, and that certainly will come over time. But when you're doing it in the beginning or just kind of starting, um, this, this tutorial said that not being bothered by the voices in your head or thoughts that are disrupting, just kind of recognizing them and letting them pass. And then any outside noises, you know, um, the, the kids or the dog or whatever. I mean, I have my, I sit in my room with the door shut and everyone knows not to bother me, but I still hear these outside noises. 
And rather than get irritated by them, which I used to do, I treat it now almost like a meditation bell where it's like, oh, it kind of brings me back. And it helps remind me that like, I should just be kind of sitting and not and, and it's just one of those things that kind of just brings you back to the moment and you remember and it kind of shuts off your brain. So rather than getting irritated by these outside noises, I kind of use them in my practice to, to help me um, bring me back to, to sitting. That's an amazing reminder. And I know I've been meditating for, I don't even know how long anymore. Like it's got to be over a year at least. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much on the daily. Very rarely do I miss a day. I mean, sometimes if I have a speaking event and I need to be somewhere at, you know, 7.15 in the morning, I'm not, like, 7.15 is usually when I'm getting up. So those days I may do it a little bit later in the day or sometimes it gets lost. But it's funny that you mentioned the outside noises because, you know, I've been laughing this summer, like on days that my brain is a little bit wild, or I'm a little bit amped up, or there's more kind of tension in the body. I mean, there have been moments where I've heard like a bird outside, and I just think to myself, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't you know, I'm meditating here. (laughs) And then sort of like have to get myself back on track where it's like, wait a minute. Like, no, this is this is just a part of this whole existence. Mm-hmm. Like, just, okay, hear it and move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good to know it's not just me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> is there anything else? Or do you feel like those are the, the two main areas for you that, that keep it on the rails? Well, you know, the, the third one, and my husband remind me because we went over our, our questions <laughs> last night, sex. He's always good at keeping me on track for sex. We try to not go more than three days because then there's trouble. We know our patterns. <laughs> oh my god, that's adorable! First off, how many years of how many years have you guys been married now? Um, we've been married for twelve and together for fifteen. Wow. Okay. So, what's the secret to keeping it on the rails like that? Because I I feel like again. I hear, you know, in seven years or more now of hearing private conversations, sex and relationships comes up a lot. So people come to me and they sort of start talking about food and they're stressed out or the digestion screwed up. And then as we sort of, you know, work on healing things and and reprioritizing things, I would say... I don't know, at least a third of the time, if not more, sex or relationships come up. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you think are some of the secrets for keeping that passion going? Well, my husband is a very big advocate for sex and likes to send me articles about how healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he's kind of my uh, meditation app in that, in that sense that, he, you know, he knows... <laughs> He knows, like, if I'm getting grouchy or, you know, if we're kind of getting irritated with each other, we're kind of like, wait a second. (laughs) How many days has it been? And Um, he knows he's got to go in (laughs) through the brain to get to the heart. Yes, yes. (laughs) So he definitely keeps me on track. I'm sure, you know, it's it's wonderful and I enjoy it. And and I'm always like, oh, why do I always, you know, give you a hard time beforehand? I feel much better after. Um, but he's always good to kind of um, keep me on track and remind me of the importance <laughs> of it uh, for uh, both ourselves and our, our relationship. Um, so I would say time, 
um, is, is a huge, you know, component of that. It's certain, you know, I mean, it's, it's always been great since the beginning, but certainly, you know, finding these, these patterns and living with each other and, and parenting and, um, you know, it just all, it all takes a lot of time. Yeah. And there are competing priorities, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and especially with the, the work that you do, you know, it's big project based work and a lot of pieces. What, besides, besides Tim reminding you, what, what helps you downshift out of just like doing the grocery list in your head instead of getting hot and heavy? You know what I'm, you know what I'm asking? Like there is that downshift piece. What helps you navigate that? Well, let's see. Tim does the grocery list. <laughs> and the laundry and the dishes. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, yeah. it's hard to put work away or whatever's going on with the kids away or, you know, insert X project here. Yeah, um I don't I I don't know. It certainly is hard for me to to shut off my brain, and and I also kind of feel like I don't know. I don't need it as much as you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, there's certainly times that it's just kind of you know, um, I, I I don't I I don't know how how to um, I I mean, there's certainly more times that I'm present than more present than others, depending on my workload. I am not, I don't like it in the mornings unless it's a Saturday or Sunday. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I have to get my work done first, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Well, I think that's a certain, I think that's an, a, a point in itself. I mean, I think there is an answer hidden in there, although you're saying, I don't know. It sounds like just recognizing, and dare I say, I will look for negotiation in any conversation I can find it, because I'm sort of obsessed with it, negotiation, communication. But it sounds like also just knowing what the priorities are. Like, Tim's more likely to hit a home run if he's talking to you about this at the end of the day. Right. Versus in the morning, and kind of knowing that there's a flow there. It sounds like you two have probably figured out those kinds of preferences. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're also home um, together all the time. I work from home. He homeschools our kids. Um, So there's a lot of of time um, together. So, you know, it's very possible that like there's certain, once I've got the good amount of time, you know, work done in my workload, the late afternoon, you know, after school, the kids are doing their thing. Um, you know, we kind of sneak off and, and do our thing. So I think timing and having um, those kinds of windows is, is helpful as well. Very cool. I know it's sex and relationships is a, a, a conversation that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people. So I appreciate just <laughs> how sharing you are and, and also just kind of how natural you are about it. Thanks. It's very cool to see <laughs> or hear <laughs> or whatever sense I'm using, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that's some of the self-care that you're doing on a regular basis. And, you know, most of us are doing self-care to manage stress, right? Mm -hmm. And so here's a question that may sort of relate, maybe, maybe not. But do you think stress is necessary on the path to success? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's necessary, but... 
it's there regardless, whether it's like good stress because you're stressed out and working on a project that you're incredibly passionate about or it's bad stress, you're trying to resolve an issue um, that, that came up unexpectedly. It's it's just there. So I think, you know, knowing how you how you deal with it is important and also, you know, re- taking the time to just kind of remember um, you have the choice in, in how you react. So kind of pausing for a moment um, and you know, when, when, when I'm super stressed out, I, I know that I need to, to walk away. Um, so knowing how to deal and how you deal and, and also, um, you know, kind of having a, a good plan in place for when times are just too stressful, I think it's really helpful, but I, I think it's just always going, it's always there. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. Have, have you read Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic? Yes. Yeah, she she talks about fear kind of always being in the back seat with us. Like mm-hmm. it can be in the back seat, it can even be in the passenger seat sort of, but it can't be the driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, stress is kind of almost like that. And I I think you raised an interesting point that there's also like the good stress or scientifically speaking, you stress. And then there's sort of the bad stress, like the distress. And mm-hmm. that they're two very different drivers right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was sort of stress being present, but also knowing when to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I, I know for me personally, I think this is, this is probably a pretty revealing personal question. Sometimes I am so tenacious at what I'm working on and the result I want to get or the thing I want to produce or the thing I want to see, you know, physically made, that I will just, like, my battery will be running down. How do you know how to get up and walk away? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's certainly something that I've, I feel like I've practiced a lot. Um, and I really have to be in tune with my body. Um, spending so many hours on the computer over so many, you know, over the 30 years that I've been using a computer <laughs> and, and 15 in a, in a professional setting, um, I've had quite a few repetitive strain injuries um, because when I'm doing development work, I get so into it that I just, I just, I keep trying to fix that issue or that bug or trying to troubleshoot. And I get so into it that my body just starts shutting down. And I know that if I go too long like that, um, I'll be out for the count for a while. And I've had enough injuries to know that I have to stop. Um, you know, I also have some software on my computer that, um, breaks every hour for 10 minutes. So I kind of have to walk away then, um, I'm, I certainly, you know, if it's the good stresses and it's the project that I'm passionate about, I am in the same boat as you. Like it is really hard for me to stop. Um, but when it's the bad stresses, I could definitely feel a difference and know that like I need to walk away or I will not be able to finish this. <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's, it's funny. I see it on both the good and bad. I mean, I think back to the days when I was doing, trouble debt restructuring and bankruptcy. I mean, the hours and the lifestyle around that were berserk anyways. But even like years later, like working on a financial model, it's like I become almost like a rat in a cage, just like, where is this formula era? And, mm-hmm. and you know, looking and, and sort of 
you know, sometimes I would look up and it would be like two o'clock in the morning and it's like, oh, where's the rest of the office? Oh, they all left like six hours ago Mm -hmm. to go to sleep. And I would just be sort of trying to dig. And as I got further on in my career, like I recognized the beauty of work on it for like an hour. If you don't get it, shelf it. Because chances are, I'm going to go home and get a night's sleep and I'm going to wake up at some point in the middle of the night with the answer to like what formula is broken or what thing wasn't linking or how to restructure a piece of it or something like that. Or I could show it to somebody else in the morning and within like usually three to four minutes, they were like, it's there Mm -hmm. just because it was so fresh for them and not fresh for me. I almost had it memorized. Yeah, it, that's so true and such a good point. I mean, really, the answers are do always come to us when we do take the break, if we can stop being stubborn <laughs> to take the break. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, what I'm hearing is like just checking in with your body. And then mm-hmm. what's the app that you use? That might be something that's interesting to the listeners. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's called Time Out. And it's, a, um, it's free and you can download it online. And um, it just... You can set the breaks. You can have micro breaks or longer breaks. And I just have it set so that every hour um, it it kind of just puts my – it just kind of fades out your screen for about 10 minutes. Um, so I'll walk away, you know, go to the bathroom, grab a drink, you know, maybe walk outside a little bit and come back to it. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and those little breaks, I mean, your eyes are probably super happy when you do that too. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for giving us that resource, too. Sure. So you've been battling stress. You've been taking care of yourself. When do you think you've been the most brave in life? Yeah, I I thought about this question for a while. And I think that I would have to say being a business owner um, is absolutely requires a lot of bravery because... (laughs) You're constantly having to step out of your comfort zone, um, you know, and and that takes a lot of bravery. <laughs> so, you know, you're constantly just needing to uh, learn new things and and push out of that. And you're responsible for everything, marketing and bookkeeping and, you know, finding new clients, communicating with clients, doing the actual work <laughs> and, um, and then doing it all over again. <laughs> so um, I, I would say that, um, you know, in the past four years, I've done a lot of um, I've had a lot of personal growth in terms of networking and um, communicating with others um, asking for help. And then I've also done things like I've done live, uh, segments, live segments on TV, crafting segments, or, um, being interviewed on the radio or even this podcast is something new and different. And so it's certainly, uh, pushing me out of my comfort zone in new ways. And I think each time, um, it, it takes, takes some bravery. Do those steps outside of the comfort zone for you, are they born out of necessity or is it a striving for you? I would say um, it's a little bit of both. I, um, I, I, now, it's, I guess it's more of a striving. I, you know, I really do love the thrill of it, even though I might drive myself crazy. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, because each time you get over those those humps that you feel are just like these obstacles or these challenges, each time you get over one, you just feel so good and um, and you know there's a real sense of pride and accomplishment and personal growth, and so you just you know want to keep doing it. I I th- I think it's great. I I really I do enjoy it. I think this is something important for a lot of the women listening to hear because, you know, sometimes we see the the net result, like, you know, when someone's, you, you made it to this podcast, maybe there were nerves before, you've done, you've facilitated and taught classes that I've been a part of, mm-hmm. and I mean, your genius around crafting, which is, is, which is how I came to know your work, mostly, was a you know, I mean, it's something of genius. It looks so easy for you from the outside. <laughs> but, you know, it's good to hear that, you know, there is some agita in the process, right? Like it, it didn't just like flow smoothly and you just floated, you know, to the head of the classroom or floated to right. the stage or floated <laughs> over to this podcast. What what helps you maintain the crazy? You use the word crazy, so I'm going to go with mm-hmm. it. I think asking myself the question of how am I going to feel if I don't do this is always kind of my grounding point of really like, why am I doing this? I feel so uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? And then, you know, kind of weighing out those benefits and and realizing that, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's, it's really an opportunity for, for growth and, and it will make me a better person and, um, contribute to the world in a positive way. So I, I just, I think that, um, you know, asking yourself how, how we feel if you don't do this is, is a great way to, to kind of continue on. Yeah. Cause the answers to that are usually not so pretty, right? It's like, right. well, I'll feel like a massive wimp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I said no to that speaking event because I had some nerves. Wimp. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Are there are there any stories that you can think of, you know, where you felt like there was a big obstacle in front of you and, you know, you were feeling a lot of that frenetic energy, some of the fear, some of the should I be doing this? And you got to that point where you said, yeah. And, you know, you recognize the benefits of doing it. And then you really succeeded beyond your expectations. Are there any any stories that you can think of? Well, I would say that, you know, in 2013, I um, quit my full-time job to start Knack, The Art of Clever Reuse, um, and I had a business partner. And at the same time, um, I knew that it would take some time for, um, for us to, you know, be making money because this was a new business and it was a retail shop and we had some overhead expenses, although not a ton. And, um, and at the same time, I also uh, kicked up my freelance business, my web, my web design and development business, so that I could be pulling in some some um, money immediately for for our family, and 
that was, you know, almost four years ago. So, um, Knack is a, uh, as a thriving little arts and craft thrift store that you can go and shop and, um, for supplies and, um, items made by handmade items made by other local artists for using recycled and repurposed material. And there's a DIY studio and, um, and I love going back there, even though I'm, I'm no longer the, the owner. Um, and then I, I have this successful, um, web development business where, you know, I've, I've done a lot of networking. I've built there. We live in such an amazing, um, community. Um, and, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs, both online and locally, that that I connect with. And I have a um, a, a constant flow of of business coming in, um, with no um, no advertising, and um, it's it's all word of mouth and past clients that that have that have come um, or referred somebody. So I would say that. Um, that, that that would be my my story of of uh, pushing out there and and being successful. And what does successful mean to you? Yeah, like, I feel like we all have definitions of that word. It's a really sticky one. What does it mean for you? Yeah, um, I feel like I've always had to constantly redefine success for myself. Um, I guess you know, success for me is, is doing, doing a good job. Um, and, you know, putting, putting everything you've got into a, into a project and, um, and then, well, I guess I try to not put so much weight on the financial aspect of things. Um, that's kind of been where I've had to redefine cause I don't feel like I'm there yet. Um, and and so I have to look at all of the other bonuses, all of the relationships that I've built, all of the personal and professional growth that I've had over the years, um, all of the wonderful feedback that I've received um, from, you know, website clients who I've taught how to, you know, update their website or I've built their website and, and they've come back to me with sharing stories about how well it's worked for them. Um, and in terms of knack, I mean, I, we had such a great run of good press and so many different, um, magazines, radio, TV, we never did any outreach for it. Um, and so that I feel was a success in itself because I was building something that there was a need for that people were interested in. And so many people would just come in and say, oh, I'd love this store so much. And, and so to me, I've, that, you know, that's been success for me is, is the rewarding piece of, of helping others and, and feeling like I'm doing a good job. Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, for everyone listening, NAC is here in Western Mass. It's in East Hampton, um, for those of you who know the area. But I highly recommend, you know, if you're local, get in there, you know, especially for those of you who like to paint and drink wine. Like, you can actually book a private time to be in the studio and do some crafting and not have to worry about, like, having a mess at your house and mm-hmm. supplies and all of that, it's there. You can just get your friends and plug and play. Yes. And it's a blast. So highly <laughs> check it out. And, you know, for those of you listening that aren't, you know, within driving des- distance of Western Mass, 
you know, just check it, check out what they're doing. It's really cool. And, you know, I can tell you from being in Western Mass, like, people really were talking about it. Amber's not exaggerating, like, the press. People, like, are really into the idea of what's happening there because it's fun and it's easy and it and it feels good. And may, Amber, maybe you can take a couple minutes and sort of talk about, you know, I think this is a good segue to talk a little bit about creativity too. Like what are some of the benefits of crafting? Because I think people just see it sometimes as like, oh, it's a hobby. You know, it's it's fun. It's something I like to do on weekends. But there's really some some interesting research and some some interesting theory coming out on just really the benefits of it. Yeah, it's it's really, you know, there's different there's certainly different crafts um that that have different benefits. I really I'm drawn towards some of the more um relaxing activities. So I I've really I do a lot of paper crafting, um origami, uh decoupage, um and Making just, envelopes for friends who envelopes. are trying to collect task lists. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and um, and I just love i I love the process of of just creating something from nothing, and especially from from waste materials. And um, and I'll you know pause for a moment to just say that even if you're not in Western Mass, there are creative reuse centers throughout the country and around the world. So if you Google Creative Reuse Center, you might find one near you. And and what it is is people who have an excess of materials that are headed for the landfill, they can they can donate them um, for the purpose of crafting. And so, you know, I I love seeing I love seeing all of the different things that might come in. Um, you know, we had a bunch of VHS cases one time and made them into crafty purses, which was like a grab bag for for children who, you know, wanted um, to, to craft with different, you know, have a different materials, but, you know, we drilled some holes in it and made a little purse handle and it, and it's totally adorable. And, and so just, and this, these were from libraries and they were just going to be thrown away. So there's definitely purpose and, and creativity that can be applied to, to use some of this material rather than, than be throwing it away. And that creative process for me is, I just, it, it, just gets my juices going. I um, I absolutely love brainstorming. I love looking at a pile of stuff and just think like, what can we do with this? How could, you know, what can we create from it? Um, and then it's also just, there's so much joy that can be felt. Um, you certainly have to kind of get into a state where you just let go and don't have any expectations and realize that handmade things are imperfect. And it really is the thought um, that, that counts so much. And one of the things I love to make is, is handmade gifts and really thinking about the person um, who you're making it for. And I just really love that, that, that thought process and that creative process. And it can bring, um, it can just be so relaxing. And like you mentioned with the, with the envelopes, um, that's such a simple craft that if you're not, um, you know, not feeling very crafty or not sure what to do, you can grab a magazine and download a template from, from uh, Kara's website and yeah. grab scissors and a glue stick. And that's it. And you can just, I mean, 
I can make, I'm sure you can too, like make 30 envelopes and just, you know, whether you're sitting in front of the TV or you've got a podcast or some music on and just be folding envelopes and you get into the state where it's, it's, it's very similar to the, the meditation where you are just kind of, your hands are moving, um, but you, you're really just moved into, into a state of relaxation and, um, it's, it's really beneficial. And, and like you said, there are a ton of studies and, and I don't have anything on in front of me to reference at the moment, but um, no worries. And maybe yeah. if you have a, maybe if you have a couple links to some of the, like a couple good studies, I can sure. certainly post those in the show notes if people are really into it. Sure, definitely. Um, yeah, it, there, I think you're right about the meditative aspect. I think, you know, adult coloring is such a hot topic right mm-hmm. now. And I mean, that's something I've done. You know, Craig might be watching a movie or something, or maybe we just have some records playing. And I find it hard to ver- to sit <laughs> and just listen to a record. So, I mean, over the years, I've picked up knitting, you know, and that's something that if I really just want to sit and listen to some good rock and roll, like... I knit. I have to be doing something with my hands. And, you know, for a long time, like, I defaulted to knitting patterns that were very easy. Like, I didn't have to do a lot of counting. It could just be meditative. Mm -hmm. And I think then we sort of moved into the adult coloring realm. And, you know, I definitely pull them out from time to time and and sit. And, you know, I would say the making, making envelopes, which is something, you know, I've sort of picked up from you. And it's fun. And, and seeing people's reaction. So not only is it like a meditative process for me, but when you give someone, at least as I'm out in the world trying to collect 33,000 task lists, um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. But as I'm out in the world doing that, like being able to just give someone this, this handmade envelope is, I mean, you see people's reaction change. Like I'm not just giving them some white security envelope, like, yeah, mm-hmm. send me your list. You know, I might be handing them, you know, I I think you had a vintage New Yorker that yours were made out of. Mm -hmm. So it was these great images of like women from like the 40s and 50s. I mean, it was just spectacular. It it really shows up different. Yeah, and and absolutely. And I'm and I'm so glad um, that you said uh, about the 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 33K um, you know, it's given me a reason to like make more envelopes. <laughs> what else am I going to do with all of these? <laughs> so I love that. I love that you've integrated that upcycling component into that project because like you said, it, it just, it, it brings a, a new energy to the project and, um, and also gives us a, a, a more reason to make more envelopes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I, as I think about it, you know, just the project as a whole, or just kind of my MO of connecting women to have some real conversation. I secretly, you know, I think I, well, it's not so secret. I think it's on the the website, like ways you can help the project. But one of the things I'm really hoping some people bite and just say, I'll get a bottle of champagne. I'll invite some friends, come on over and bring all of your envelope making stuff. And we can just like hang and make envelopes and like talk about to-do lists and, but also talk about what's really going on with women. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, it's more than just making an envelope out of a magazine that I was just probably going to recycle anyways. Yep, absolutely. And you've been doing that in terms of craft working. 
Yeah. Do you mind talking yeah. about craft working a little? Sure, sure. I'd love to. So um, craft working is um, an event that I started earlier this year, and there's been four or five, um, and they're happening right now at NAC on a monthly basis, and it's an opportunity, it's a networking opportunity for, um, I haven't, it. I haven't made it exclusive to women, but it it has only been women that have attended. And it's been an opportunity for women to connect um, that are also self-employed, interested in being self-employed or have their own small business. And then it's an opportunity to network, connect with others and while doing a hands-on craft. Um, So we've done, we've done flowers and envelopes and uh, maybe some decoupage this week. So, um, and everybody's just kind of enjoyed the, um, the concept of it. I had been finding that some of my, um, regular networking events weren't, weren't allowing enough time for kind of that intimate networking conversation that happens when we, when we allow ourselves to time, um, to sit down and, and interact with one another. Um, so a lot of really great things have come out of it. I've heard a lot of women tell me that they they hired so and so or got work from so and so because of because of this event which which has been really re- rewarding in itself um and and then i've personally got a lot of it with just the opportunity to to connect with some of these amazing um creative entrepreneurs that are around locally um over something that i enjoy doing and i think you know one of the things having experienced craft working and really enjoy going I think what surprised me the first time I went is, you know, I, I I think sometimes people may not know this about me, but I'm probably like 49% introvert. <laughs> so sometimes it it does feel like it's an extra draw of energy to be in a, a large group of people. Mm-hmm. And with craft working, it's a little bit like more manageable size because, mm-hmm. you know, we're limited to the size of the table and the chairs right. and the glue guns and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit more intimate, but it, how little we actually talked about work. Like we, you know, of course we introduced ourselves at the beginning Mm -hmm. and kind of what we do, but what was so surprising is like how quickly it went to, you know, people sharing like the last time they did a certain craft and then bringing up stories from being a kid. Like those are the things that that make it easier to trust and and do business with other women. It's not like how snazzy their business card is. It's not Absolutely. like you just saw each other as women mm-hmm. first and foremost who happen to have the skill set that you may or may not need down the road. Right. Which I think sets it up for such a great place, uh, a great source of word of mouth marketing and referrals because you now know this person that offers these skill sets that – you may or may not need right now, but um, but you certainly would be the first to probably recommend them if you hear of somebody needing those services. So because you know them, it's not that you just know that they're local and they have this business. You've actually met and interacted with them and know them a bit more personally to know that they are trustworthy and um, and you feel that they would do a good job or you know that who they would be a good fit for. Um, I know that, you know, as, as business owners, we talk a lot about ideal audience and uh, ideal client, um, is what I meant to say. And, um, and so knowing who, what projects are a good fit for you or a good fit for somebody else, um, 
is always a, a you want to give somebody a good recommendation or a good referral and and so knowing them um on a little bit more personally or intimately allows us to kind of gauge that and and provide them with um with clients that in projects that would be a good fit for their services. Yeah, that's a really important thing. And especially with entrepreneurs and especially service entrepreneurs like me, you know, there that fit thing is so uber important. Like mm -hmm. I know when I go to networking events and I meet people, there are people that I, I dare say maybe it's a little strong. But like they're they're much closer to the hate end of the continuum. <laughs> like I am just not for them mm -hmm. whatsoever, and it is apparent from the moment I stick out my hand and and say hello. Mm -hmm. And then you know on the other side that you know there's the people that are like, yeah, I'm totally type A. You know I've I've pooped my pants in person too. <laughs> like you know where within like my husband literally started calling me the poo whisperer years ago because we would go to the grocery store. And he'd leave me like in another aisle to go get something and come back and hear some person divulging their bowel history to me within like 90 seconds or less. And he was just like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> like, you are a poo whisperer. That is your superpower. You know, but that fit is so uber important. And I think you're right. Like it gives, it, it gives you a way to show up as who you are, the the sort of vibration you're putting out in the world, you know, for people who are a little bit more on the spiritual end of the spectrum like mm -hmm. me. You know, it's it's so important. And I mean, underneath all of it, I mean, I think whenever we are hiring anybody, we want to know, like, one, are they competent? But two, you know, on some level, are they fun? Like, no one's like, I really want to work with the competent asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and craft working really makes that easy. Yeah. It's good you. stuff. I love it. Thank you. The it it'll be I hope it's a long living and and continued thing for you. It's it's just fantastic. Thanks. Amber, I want to back up a minute if you don't mind. You mentioned selling knack. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that was like and how that came about? Sure, sure. Um, it was certainly one of the most difficult decisions that I've um, had to make. Uh, Knack was a dream business that I had kind of envisioned myself doing for a very long time. And, and um, you know, the web stuff <clears throat> was was there, but I, I thought that maybe that would be my my break from, from the computer work. And what happened was, you know, it was myself and a business partner and we had reached a point of burnout, um, after two years of building the store, setting up the store, uh, building a customer base. And, we we also at the same time were both working other full time jobs. I had my freelance business and she worked another job and we also have two kids and our lease was coming up for renewal and there was just a lot of decisions decisions to be made. And we just kind of came to the decision that um one, we were burned out and something had to give. And the second part, which, you know, I had to understand was that 
although it was this dream business and, and I have had a vision and it still exists as that vision today, um, which is something I'm very proud of, the day-to-day tasks weren't really something that I loved. Um, being in a retail environment was very draining for my introverted self <laughs> and and the um you know the day-to-day tasks also included going through boxes and boxes of donations of other people's stuff that they no longer wanted and sorted and cleaning and organizing and we've kind of touched upon that piece that um that I'm I'm not a super organized person and I don't really like to clean at at all <laughs> <laughs> and so those were kind of some of the things that I was having to do every day and really not enjoying that. And we were very fortunate that we had um, had a volunteer that um, that with us for about a year. And so we just kind of threw it out there to her, to the opportunity to purchase the business. And she immediately said yes. And of course, we said, well, maybe you should think about it. <laughs> but um but so she had she fully knew uh, what was in you know what the day to day tasks looked like um, in that environment and and she took it over and she's done a tremendous job um, you know two people were doing it before and now one person is just doing it and it's a lot of work and I know um, I know that she's really tired at the end of the day but. Um, at the same time, uh, NAC is, is, a, is a thriving little business, and a lot of people really enjoy going. Um, and so it's always nice nice to hear that and, and know that that vision uh, carries on. And that had to be, I mean, a tough decision feels like a complete understatement in, mm-hmm. in terms of – was it the burnout that was the driver for you or – like, how did you, how did you come to that decision? Because I, I know in seven years of, you know, creating Vital Core and doing the work that I do, there have absolutely been points where I'm like, I just want to throw up my hands and be like, done, I'm going to finish working with the clients that I have. And that's it. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of tears. I cried for a very long time. <laughs> um, and you know, my my business partner had 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 made that had made her up her decision before I made up mine, um, and I just knew that I didn't want to to carry it on alone. Um, and I also just I really just had to reevaluate my needs and and really look at our life and see the things that. Uh, weren't working because of the commitment that I had to um, to operate the store um, on the regular. And, you know, when everybody, when, when the news started getting out there, a lot of customers were coming in and saying, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And all I could answer was sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe have a have a doctor's appointment that I've been, you know, putting off or, you know, just really just tending to my own needs and self-care because that had really gone out the window at that point because we really just were operating on this, uh, you know, on this just constant go, go, go. Um, you know, I would see a, a website client on my way to opening the store, you know, and then be there till six o'clock and come home and catch up on emails. And it was just way too much. Um, and our lives were, were sacrificing and, and our families too. 
um, because we just weren't we weren't there as much as as we wanted to be as as working moms. It was too much. I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you can tell me if I'm wrong here. But that's in that moment that probably had to feel like a failure, like not being able to do it all, like recognizing like here's this dream job I built for myself, except I don't really like all the tasks associated mm-hmm. with that dream job. You know, do you see it as a failure? I it, It's definitely been um, something that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, let's see, I'm a year and a half out of the business. Um, if you had asked me that month, I would have said yes. Um, but... In the, you know, and we talked a little bit about defining success. And I see um, how successful it is and still is today. It still gets great press. I was actually at my uh, doctor's um, just like about a month ago. And, and she said, you know, has it really been three years since I've seen you? Like, I feel like I've seen you someplace else. Like, what have you been up to? And so I was like, I don't know. And then I mentioned Nack. She goes, oh, my God, my daughter loves Nack. She always has to go there when we're in Eastworks. She loves to spend time doing open studio. That is where I've seen you. And it's those moments (laughs) that make me feel like it's not a failure, that we are diverting waste from the landfill. We are providing local artists with a space to sell their wares and, um, and, and, and uh, showcase their art made from recycled and repurposed materials. It's a space for birthday parties, intimate gatherings like net, uh, like craft working. Um, and it's a space where if you just need some inspiration, you can just kind of poke around and, and see what materials you might find. It's not your typical arts and crafts store, but you will find some typical arts and crafts materials. You also might find some really neat vintage old things that are, you know, being turned up. Uh, we had a lot of people cleaning out estates and donating stuff. So you just, you never know what you're going to find. Um, and I feel that it brings a lot of people joy and it's been a nice asset to the community. So in those aspects, when I look at those things, I, I don't see it as a failure. What do you see as some of the lessons? Oh, the lessons. <laughs> I know there's probably a hundred, but what are the ones that, that come to mind? Or what are the ones that you most want our listeners to take away? Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, you know, anyone who is even thinking about becoming an entrepreneur or is an entrepreneur or runs a small business, like we all have, you know, skidded over these kind of rough patches and had to make some very real decisions. And often there are tears. It is really painful. It's you know, in a lot of ways, it's our business baby. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of the lessons that you that you think are most important or you think the people listening might think are important? Yeah, I would I would probably say that, um, you know, if if you're thinking about starting a business, certainly know or, or at least try to map out like what your ideal day looks like. Um, and um, I, you know, I didn't really know um, I had had only really been to one other creative reuse center. Um, and I have absolutely zero regrets. I would do it again in a heartbeat. 
Um, but I think, you know, some of the, some of the decisions that are helpful and the lessons learned are kind of knowing, um, knowing what your day looks like and, um, or as best you can. Um, and being open to knowing that it might not work. You just have to, but if the passion is there, if the reason why you're doing this is so strong that you just can't stop and you need to jump in feet first, you know, go for it and, and, um, be okay with things not working out or expectations being different. Um, and, and I guess, you know, knowing when to let go. So happily upcycled, how does that, that was sort of, it's kind of like the phoenix in the ashes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that, is it NAC 2.0? Is it something different? Is it related? Yeah, it's, it's really, it just kind of started last summer. Um, I, so we sold the book business in April. And so last summer was the first time like I was home full time and, you know, just focusing on, on my web business. Um, but that crafting is just in me regardless. <laughs> <laughs> and itch. I, yeah, and I just needed to craft. So it really just started as a, a portfolio, an online space for me to post some of the cool projects that I was working on. Um, and it's evolving in the sense that, um, I'm getting to do a lot of the things that I wanted to be doing at NAC, but didn't have the time for. And a lot of that is around, um, teaching. So I, I really have a lot, I get a lot of joy from showing others, um, how to do something. I love learning new things, trying new things. Um, so the, the exploratory piece of, of crafting and really getting into the creativity, um, there wasn't, Although it's a creative business, as the business owner, there wasn't a lot of time for that. And so that's what Happily Upcycled is to me, is is the opportunity to um, to just kind of be messy and play and create. And then the things that work out, show others how to do them. Um, and, <laughs> and so that's where I'm at. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Because I I know, I mean definitely been standing on that fence deciding which side am I going to fall off on you know and almost every entrepreneur I've ever talked to has had those kind of moments and it's it's scary it's I mean it just rips you apart or at least from my experience and what I've heard like it's just it's it's a painful process so thank you for being so open and sharing that definitely Amber, I know you're really busy and I appreciate your time here today. Before I totally let you sneak away, I have some questions from what I like to call the champagne round. And so we'll go through these a little bit more rapid fire. Maybe I'll have a, a little follow-up question or two, but it's mostly to get a sense of some of the resources or support, you know, that you find helpful and also kind of some thoughts about being a woman today. And so oh. do you mind if we go through these? Not at all. Awesome. So what song pumps you up or soothes you the most? All right. Well, I went with uh, the soothing. I am a big fan of Bob Dylan, and She Belongs to Me is one of my favorites. That will get me every time. <laughs> <laughs> that one gets you right in the feelies, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And what book, film, other type of art do you go back to for inspiration? like when you sort of need to fill up the well? 
Yeah, I this one I really had to think about, and I was really glad you asked it. And I came up with the library stacks. Um, I love how-to and craft books. So visiting a new library or our library and just sitting in those 700s. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> the and fact that you know the Dewey Decimal System <laughs> says a lot. Yes, I know right where to go for my craft book. So um, that is that is my source of inspiration. If I can't get to the library, I'll, I'll poke online for Pinterest or something. But um, certainly checking out a library's collection of craft material is, in craft books is, is my go-to. Awesome. Awesome. And what's your favorite tool, app, or gadget? I know you've mentioned a couple, but are there any that, that stick out that we didn't cover maybe? Yeah, um, the camera. I love, um, I've always taken photographs and had a lot of um, photography throughout high school and college. And um, so I, that's what I love about having the smartphone is you always have a camera on you. And sometimes I'll get out my other camera, but, um, but having a camera is definitely my favorite. Are there things that you like to shoot in particular? Um, Trees have always been my favorite. Nature is really good. I love candid shots of people. And I would say my craft things. So a lot of my upcycled goods. Um, if you check out my website, happilyupcycled.com, you'll see some of my photographs on the portfolio page, right on the front page there. And um, I'll often take out take my projects outside in nature and photograph them. Oh, nice. The double whammy of getting the nature in, too. Yes. Cool. And how do you organize or manage your tasks on a day-to-day basis? This one's a work in progress for me. (laughs) (laughs) It is for a lot of people, I think. A wise lady once told me that creative chaos may work in art, but it doesn't work in business. (laughs) I wonder who that wise lady is. So I'm always improving, (laughs) trying to get things out of my head and onto paper or a spreadsheet. (laughs) So do you typically default to paper or a spreadsheet or kind of both? Are you still feeling that out? Yeah, um, I have paper. My my problem is that I really do prefer to write things down. um, And I try to use the computer less and less um, these days because I am on it so much. Um, But my problem is that I have a thousand notes everywhere. So they're not always, um, you know, and and some notes are on the back of other notes. And so it's just not very organized in that sense. Or I start a new journal. I have lots of notebooks. But (laughs) I don't know. I know. There's nothing done. (laughs) It's so good to start a new notebook or start a new journal. But I don't know, like then halfway through, you're like, oh, I just want a new notebook. (laughs) Exactly. New thoughts. (laughs) Very cool. And so here are some questions about being a modern woman. How, how would you define being a modern woman in 2016? Yeah, this was a, this was a tough one. Um, But I, I kind of came up with uh, a modern woman is someone who lives with an open mind wears a lot of hats, and does the best she can with what she's got. Oh, as someone who uses the expression perfectly imperfect all the time, I love that notion right there. Doing the best you can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you like to see modern women give more of a shit about? Mother Earth. Oh, yeah. You've only got one planet. (laughs) Right now. (laughs) For now, yeah, we're we're a bit, we're a little bit limited right now. Yeah, so definitely, you know, 
taking care of, of our planet is, is really important and I, and I think should, should be given more attention to. And I think that's a, a really big statement, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's, something, what's something really practical that someone listening can do? Like, are there, are there really, as you think about it, are there easy entrees into sort of making that conscious or making a habit out of it? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the best habits is really paying attention to consumption and, and how much material waste you're buying. Um, and I also try to make it a game where, you know, especially like, grocery shopping or shopping, um, you know, I might pick a jar of pickles based on the potential of upcycling the jar (laughs) (laughs) or (laughs) so kind of paying attention to how your how the stuff you're buying is packaged and buying things that are made with glass instead of plastic or, um, fresh instead of wrapped in, in bags, um, are all things that, you know, little things that we can do that, that can make a big difference. I love your thinking, thinking of the end, you know, as you're making the decisions, like thinking of the (laughs) end of that process or the end of the, the end product that's going to be a result. Super cool. Yeah. There's some really cute glass jars of pickles out there. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, to flip that question around a little bit, you know, conversely, what would you like to see modern women give less of a shit about? I would say judgment from others. Like not, don't care what other people think. What helps you do that? Um, I guess, I don't know, just, just trying to practice uh, letting go and, um, you know, honoring that everybody is coming to life and showing up with different experiences. And so when somebody, you know, has said something or done something that, you know, I'm not a big fan of, I kind of have to put myself in their shoes for a minute and remember that they haven't had the same life experience that I have, and they are coming from a a different place. Um, And so just, just trying to think about um, where other, you know, wearing somebody else's shoes and, 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 and um, most likely they aren't they aren't meeting it personally, or if if they are, then they're just not kind people, and that's not people that I want to associate myself with or spend time with. Got it. So what I'm hearing is practicing some empathy, and also kind of self selection. <laughs> like yes, <laughs> or sometimes as I like to say, weeding the friend garden. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was an excellent summary. I'm always so long-winded. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I love hearing the words people choose and and how they describe things. It's awesome. Don't change a thing. All right. <laughs> and just a couple more questions. You know, this is where I want to turn the mic over to you. And and you know, it can be a PSA, you can pull out a soapbox, like whatever. This is your space. But what do you most want Le Vital Course Salon listeners to know? Don't be so hard on yourself. I think that, you know, when I looked at that question, I said, well, I'm going to be a listener. <laughs> what do I want here? <laughs> and I think, you know, I, as women, I think that we're often, you know, beating ourselves up for lots of things. And um, so remembering to not 
not be so hard on yourself and um, certainly ask for help when when you need it. Wise, wise words. Thank you. <laughs> we all need the reminder. And I think there's something neat that happens because I will harp on those points a lot with women. And I think there's something special when they get to hear it from other women. Mm-hmm. So thank you. You're welcome. It makes me feel a little less like a nag. <laughs> <laughs> and Amber, if women want to learn more about you or your work, whether you know it's as a web designer or happily upcycled, how can they do that? Yeah, um, all of my website uh, work can be found at amberladley.com. And um, I have a services page, so uh, I do custom WordPress theming and development, but then I also have some DIY packages for um, people who are just kind of starting up their business and want to, are, are not ready to, to invest in a full website and just want to learn uh, WordPress and, and have some help building a website. So all of that can be found from my services page there. And then as far as creativity and upcycling workshops, events, and what's going on in that world, um, you can find at happilyupcycled.com. Awesome. And I'll make sure links make it to the show notes page that will go up when the when this show airs as well. Perfect. Thank you. But Amber, this was such a blast. I, I mean, I feel like there are still like a laundry list of questions that I've scribbled down that I want to ask. So maybe potentially down the road, we can do a little part two. But I so appreciate you being here and, and sharing and kind of, you know, I think of this show as a way to lift up the curtain and for people to see how are real women doing it out in the world. So thank you with all my heart. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This was this was really fun. I am not at all nervous <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I feel much more relaxed. And um, you make it so easy to talk to. And I really appreciate you uh, building this space um, for others because I think it'll be really valuable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right, we'll talk again then. <laughs> Sounds good. Hiya, this is Kara again. Thanks for tuning in. All of today's show notes can be found at Le Vital Core Salon and then clicking on blog. New shows will be up the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month, so stay tuned and do come back. Before I bounce, I want to give a big merci beaucoup to my producer Craig Snyder and to Rishi Deer of Elephant Stone and the High Dials for my most excellent theme music. And don't forget women... You deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let burnout or bullshit slow you down. Until next time.